Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm an addict and alcoholic. This is a show for other addicts and alcoholics and also for their families and for anyone who knows us. If this is your first time listening, we have over 300 episodes in the bank. You can go back and listen to all of them. If you can't get to a meeting right now, which is completely understandable, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes. Please do. We welcome you. And if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and like us because uh, it makes me happy. gives me a reason to wake up tomorrow. If you're hearing strange things in the background, producer Shar and I are recording on location in beautiful downtown Burbank. I'm not just saying that. We are literally sitting at a Shake Shack in downtown Burbank right now, right near where Johnny Carson used to record his show. And I can feel his presence and see his presence in the shakes here. Anyway, I want to introduce you guys to my friend Matt because he's one of the most awesome people I've met in treatment. And uh, he's somebody I plan on being friends with for a long time, possibly the rest of my life. He's just a good egg. He's one of those people that's just a good guy. And I'm excited for you guys to meet him. So let's join the conversation. Here's Matt. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to Radio Rehab, Matt. I'm so glad you agreed to do this. I'm glad to be here with you, Dana. It's so funny because I like I wanted be since I relapsed, I wanted to do basically, you know, a whole bunch of people I've met recently and what we're all going through since the pandemic, because it's often just been people with like 40 years sober and they're hard to relate to to me. People just walked into the program and went, okay, I'm done. Like great, right. right. <laughs> I was a little bit of a tougher case. So <laughs> <laughs> Where, so let's talk a little bit about your background. Where where are you from originally? So I was born in Santa Monica, but most of the time grew up in Northern California, uh, north of San Francisco in the Santa Rosa area. But, uh, you know, most of my time is spent around the Bay Area. I've raised my family in the East Bay. And uh, so I consider more a Bay Area kind of guy. Right. Yeah. And I, and I know... Um... I don't know if we can even talk about that, but I know your son is responsible for a lot of the art in the Bay Area. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Well, he would prefer we don't speak about that. <laughs> I, I did. I did uh, get an update this morning and uh, there's a lot of painting going on out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you see it, you'll know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All, I, all I'll say to that is have a good day. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when, so when did you first start like trying to get sober like how long ago was that you know the first time i really i really didn't think i had a problem until a couple days before i went to rehab um uh you know i i had sobered up i I was married twice so the first marriage was 20 years and during that i had been sober for about a year um and just just as a more of a hey leave me alone get off my back quick out my drinks I could, you know, I don't have a problem. So, um, you know, my second wife's alcohol problems were, um, were very, uh, should we say pronounced It kind of, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a key piece of the relationship that was constantly in motion. Um, and so we had a lot, quite a few ups and downs through our short time together. Um, we were together, I think three years total and married like a year and a half and then everything blew up like right before I came into Cliffside. So, 
Um, so it was really until a couple of days before my first wife had called and was concerned and said, I think you need to go to rehab. And I'm like, you can go after yourself. I don't think <laughs> I don't have a problem. You can go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and so I, 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 you know, and I've had to apologize her to her because she was right. I mean, she obviously has known me for a long time and, and, um, so the, then it was kind of, Hey, would you go to couples rehab, you know, with my, with my second wife? And, and she said, you know, I, well, I was, I was amenable to that. I was, it was something that I'd consider. I didn't know it was a thing. I had my, all of my rehab experience had been from the outside watching her and go in and really not knowing how to handle what I was, you know, what was going on with her. And I think it drove some of my needs to go seek help as well. And obviously my, you know, using and self-medicating went up quite a bit over those times, just as to compensate, I think, for just to, just to maintain some semblance of normalcy in my world. Um, Cause it was really, really wild. So um, I considered that. And then really it was, the night after that, she looked, and then it was a Friday night. We had a conversation. She said, well, what about Cliffside? And she had done a bunch of work, and I hadn't researched anything for myself. And I looked at it and said dual diagnosis, and you know, I had some issues with anxiety and ADHD and, and trying to understand you know, how all this stuff kind of interacts together. And I, um, I really, at that point, knew it was like, this, this, I could get some benefit out of this. And I'm the type of guy that when I see a path and I like all of a sudden something becomes clear, it's like, all right, that's the obvious next choice. Let's go do that. Uh, which caused a big fight with us. And I ended up having quite the adventure on my way. <laughs> I to spend the night in Santa Monica and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. And then came in a couple days later. We'll get to that, but I'm just wondering, <laughs> is it, do you think it's because it was because of, your wife being way less of a functional alcoholic addict than you were, that it made it difficult for you to see that in yourself. Cause I know when I met my husband, we were both partying, but I was so quote unquote bad that he was yeah. like, fuck, if that's an alcoholic, then I'm not one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, definitely. That was it because, and she was highly functional. I mean, she's, you know, as an executive and did, and, and, you know, I, I think I didn't realize until going through rehab, the amount of codependency, I think I knew that it was an issue, but I didn't know to what extent. Um, that it kind of played in, but, you know, I've, I've had what I've always called the wounded bird syndrome where I'm, you know, always want to take care of, you know, it's like, I see the need and want to be compassionate and take care of her. And, but it was like, you know, I, I think I kept her job on the rails more than I was able to keep my world together, so to speak. Right. I mean, sometimes it is easier for us to help other people because it's not us because we can step outside of ourselves. Oh, yeah. And it's great because it's obvious the spotlight's all on them and we don't yeah. have to talk about our own issues. So because I don't have any problems. Yeah. No, I've always <laughs> thought I th I've always thought I could be a really good therapist. I just can't take my own advice. Like I could give somebody else really good advice. And then when it comes to me, I'm like, nah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I've been, I've been it's funny you say that because when I, I stop and listen, I've started starting to stop and listen to myself and realize that when you say, when you give somebody else advice, you better stop and pick up on what that is. Cause it's more than likely it has nothing to do with the other person. It has more to do with me and, and something I need to pay attention to. Um, and, and I've gotten a lot out of that and just being observant of like, Oh, 
be careful. Listen to what you're recommending because it has more to do with you than anything else. Because you can only see the world through your worldview, not necessarily all the filters that they're looking through. And That's been- amazing. That is such a good thought. I never thought of it like that. Now I'm going to start like diagnosing people, not to their face, but just to see if I come up with anything for myself. Well, so the kind of the start with that was I always looked and I was like, this guy's irritating me. Everything he always talks about this thing. And then you realize, oh, something falls apart or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's your problem. That's what you're, I had, I had a guy come over for dinner once and I threw, I'm about to throw him out of my house because he was just talking about how in preachy, you, 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 you knew this, you this about finances and about something else and fidelity and his marriage. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, just shut up. Like, don't say you. It's very condemning you, you, you. And I realized at that time, you know, it was it wasn't about me, it was about him. But it's been a long time since that conversation for me to take come full circle and realize, oh, I do the same things in the world and you know, share my opinion and expertise, so to speak, with other people. But I need to be very careful of what I'm saying because it more again, it has more to do with me than anybody else. Right. And I know you're super um, introspective because when we were in treatment together, you were like up before it was light outside journaling all the time. I was like, how I don't have any good habits. Like I sleep till five minutes after my alarm goes off. Yeah, I well, I got to you didn't ever read what I wrote It's actually a lot of what, what I was writing. I couldn't because your writing was so microscopic <laughs> and perfect. Well, that's what I've been trying to improve on my penmanship and try to condense because I hate carrying stuff around. So, oh. um, no, really what I was writing in that journal was actually, I got a picture right here for you. All oh the yeah, there it is. The tiny so journal. Changed, changed from pen, pencil to pen and um, really what I've been doing in this is just some small meditations and notes from my readings through the day. Um, and, and a lot of it's just verbatim of the stuff that I've got, just to figure if I can force it through the pen into my, you know, through my brain out the pen, then I at least have something, you know, going on, uh, from a retention standpoint, I seldom go back and, and read it. Um, now it's kind of morphed into been working through uh, a course in miracles. And so that's a, a year long. Oh, I love Marianne Williamson. Yeah. So it's been good. I've been just kind of going through every day, just writing the thought for the day and just kind of doing that. And then going through the the towel and just writing a section of the towel out and, and just meditating on that kind of stuff. Um, so it hasn't, there's not a lot of original ideas in there right now. I have actually picked up since the first of the year, I actually started just free flow journaling and doing some of that, trying to get it done at least once a day, a few pages. Um, so that's such a good habit. I mean, do you find that like once you put it on paper, it's clogging up your mind less and it's something that's now out and it's over there and you can compartment yeah. it? Okay. Yeah. And that's what I noticed even before we're leaving, um, you know, treatment. That was one of the things that was like, I'm getting all balled up in my head and kind of going nuts. It's like, what, how can I, you know, it's like, just stop, just stop and go write it out, write, write out whatever. How, what are you feeling? What are you noticing, you know, how do I feel in my body? I feel tense. I feel whatever. And it, even that was one of the decisions to come up here to Oregon. You know, I was like, well, I could go over here and go to sober living. I could go over here and just move in with so-and-so I could go, you know, I've got a, and you didn't have to go anywhere after treatment. No, but that's a blessing and a curse. Cause then where do you go? <laughs> like, if you don't have to go anywhere, what do you, where do you go? So, um, 
you know, it was really what I kind of wrote down. It was like, you know, I had an opportunity to come uh, be with my parents up here and kind of wrote it out and was like, oh, just the next logical step became much clearer as I kind of just got everything out of my head. And it was like, oh, well, that's the answer. You know, just take that next step. That's all I've been really looking for is what's the next step. That's it. Right. Yeah. Well, when you first let's go back to um, the crazy little time period that happened right before you got to Cliffside. Yeah. Like because I mean, my last couple of weeks was almost an entire blackout. I do remember three emergency rooms. I just don't remember actual facts <laughs> or like how I got there and how I ended, was like in a liquor store wearing a, a hospital gown. I have no idea how that happened. But yeah, I know you had a very tumultuous like couple of weeks right before you got to treatment. So yeah. That. So um, I was in the middle of my divorce. So things were man, I'm trying to think, oh, just the week before I was trying to sum, we'll just start with there. Um, the, a week before I came to treatment, I ended up in Hawaii. Um, and that was just to close out the divorce. I figured, you know, I, I always, I've been in sales most of my life and I figure I never do big deals in, per, you know, I, or rather I always do big deals in person. I'm not, I, you know, signing divorce papers is a big deal. So I happened to be around her birthday. And so I went in, I basically just flew to, flew to the island. We were in Hawaii somewhere, flew over there and walked to the hotel, kind of my penance walk. <laughs> and I got there, surprised her. She was, you know, it was kind of like, I live my life kind of like, what's the movie play? What are we, you know, what are we going to do? So this, the decision to go was only made. I knew she was there. We were supposed to be there together. You know, obviously we were in the middle of divorce, so that wasn't the case. Uh, she'd gone with a friend. And, but, you know, that, that was my, my, my thinking was, what's, what's the movie play? Right. Uh, you know, and I have it in my mind running off the runway, you know, is, is there something here to save? Is there not? Um, and so really 12 hours before the flight, I realized, I was like, all right, I just booked my ticket and took off. And then, so I brought basically a backpack with just one change of clothes and figured, I don't know if I'm staying there and just going to talk to her and then turn around and come back or if I'll stay there throughout the weekend. And um, she ended up, we reconnected, things were good um, until she was a little bit messy and, you know, and as far as her, you know, her sobriety. Right. Um, And we, she, over the course of the trip, she ended up drowning on a scuba trip. Oh my God. Um, so that was where, you know, fire off all the codependent signals, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I'm thankful I'm here. I'm, you know, putting the, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it was a big deal. Right. And so she ends up getting out of the hospital on her birthday and I was thankful to be able to check her in. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety she had going on and basically, um, you know, don't have a panic attack under the water. It doesn't work out very well. Wow. So, yeah. Especially if you're drinking, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, well, you know, everybody's responsible for their own safety when they go out. Yeah, on. It's probably much easier though, to not be, to not be able to look at yourself when you're actively trying to help somebody. And for me personally, since I'm more of the fall apart person like her, like it's so easy for me to just like, if somebody comes and they're taking care of the situation, they're helping. It's so easy for me to be like, I'm going to fall apart because I'm safe and you can pick me up. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, and it was. I mean, she was panicked. It was. It was bad. I, I didn't know I was actually diving out there as well. She was on a discovery dive, and I was just doing my own thing. And when I had popped out of the water, there was an ambulance on the shore, and I thought, "There's only one person this can be for." I knew. I knew who it was for, and so I just <laughs> took off, hauled ass in, and and she, um, you know, met her at the hospital after I turned my tanks in. So. So we flew back and the week was kind of like, how do we make, you know, is it, it was very choppy between us. Um, and then things from my perspective started to spiral out of control with her, where I was just starting to go crazy in my head again. Um, and it kind of led up to where it's like, you know, we've got to do something about this. And then when, when, the, you know, when the rehab opportunity came up, I just took it and ran with it. So we got into an argument about that. Some of it was the um, the costs associated with you know the part of cliffside I stayed at, um, and the so I spent the night in Santa Monica. I thought I don't need to deal with this. Um, it was de- decision was made very quickly in my mind that this is what I need to do. Um, so Santa Monica, so. Let me gather my thoughts here. Fun. So the best way I'm trying to think, I woke up, I slept great, right? I had, so let's back up. I have, you know, we I've lived on a weed farm. I got a ton of mushroom connections. I have, you know, lots of stuff lying around the house. So I had compiled most of that stuff in my car <laughs> and was up at, basically was up in the room, rolled a couple joints, got ready for the day, slept super well and thought, all right, I cleared my head. This is what I'm going to do on the way down the elevator. I thought, you know, there's a guy with a cooler and obviously headed to the beach. And I thought, Hey, you got, you all ready for the beach? He goes, yeah, you got any weed? And he goes, no. I'm like, well, here. And I just handed him a bunch of pre-rolls that I'd done up. Oh man, thanks. Next guy, I'm standing out at the, at the court, at the, at the, uh, you know, gave the valet my keys or my tag. And, uh, he goes to get my car and I'm standing there with, uh, with all my stuff piled up. Now let's back up the week before I had, I was supposed to, the day that she drowned, I was supposed to leave and go to Oregon. That was our divorce settlement. What our agreement was. Right. So my, I was going to throw everything in my two door convertible and head wherever I was going to go. Right. That's basically where I was, where I was at. So the, as I'm waiting for the car to come around, I'm standing there with all this stuff that I had just kind of thrown in hastily. Like I can go to rehab. I can go North. I can go wherever. Um, before, just before the car comes around, this couple comes up to me and they said, Hey, you want to eat goldfish crackers? And I thought, what do you, talk in my mind real quick i'm like what's this about goldfish crackers i said sure you know and i'm trying to to do inventory what the heck's going on nobody just randomly in santa monica walks up this is cute little couple too and like okay i look at my bags i look at what i'm wearing and i'm wearing this graffiti pen you know bleach pen shirt that's all crazy i got these tie-dye baggy hippie shorts on flip-flops my hair's a disaster and I got all my bags like just packed up next to me. And I'm like, they think I'm homeless. So I'm like, real quick, I need to defend myself. I'm just like, 
you guys need some weed? I just zip open my backpack and I've got this big, you know, 10 gallon trash bag full of weed. Start filtering through. Oh, here you go. Just some blueberry cookies. Oh you know, you do like that. So they're, and they're just like, uh, okay, <laughs> thank you. And they, they finally, you know, they took off. I bet they now <laughs> offer every homeless person goldfish to see if they can have that experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And well, the funny part is my, 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 my Jaguar comes around the corner and I'm like, this is so surreal. I've been just assumed to be homeless and that's all I can gather. The thing was, and I'm just about to jump in my, you know, this car, throw the top down and, oh, and I have no money. So, um, so I only had a $5, like a scratcher that had $5 on it. That was a winner. Uh-huh. And so I gave that to the valet as the tip. So then I'm like, then I'm out of there. He's just looking at me like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I take off and I call cliffside and I'm like, all right, I'm coming in. They're like, I go, but I need you to know I've got some guns in my trunk. And they're like, you can't bring guns to rehab. And I was like, I was just trying to keep them out of the house, keep them contained, right? Just with all the stuff going on, and there's other people that were in and out of the house before. And that's the only place I could put them. It was like, all right, just keep them in the trunk. So I've been running around with, you know, a couple handguns in there. And, and, uh, says, you can't bring those here. And I'm like, uh, all right. Okay, I'll go drop them off. So I go back to North Hollywood and I drop them off. And then I thought, I'd stopped at the liquor store there and just thought, okay, if, if we're both a mess, I'll give you a parting gift and I'll take a parting gift and some bottle of wine for her and and uh, a couple shots or whatever. And just kind of, I, so I get there and she's passed out on the couch. We get into this big argument and we, I, part of the, oh, part of my plan on going back to the house was I had a two foot pre-roll paper there, right? So uh, this big two foot cone. And I thought, you know what? I got all this weed. I don't know what to do with it. I just, I'm going to pack the biggest joint I could think of and I'll just go to the beach, smoke it, and go to rehab. That was really my thinking. And I've seen a picture of it for everybody listening. It really is two feet worth of joint. <laughs> it looks like Cheech and Chong, like would be amazed. <laughs> it was, it was a good one. So we get into an argument. I just kind of ignore it. I just turn the coffee grinder on and start going to town on this, on this weed. And, you know, finally pack up this two foot joint, tell her I'm going to leave, get into a big argument again. And I just said, Hey, I got to go. So I just walked out while she was, you know, kind of, I could hear her in the background. So I jumped in the car, went to the smoke shop so that they could see the joint because they had wanted to see, they'd never seen a joint that big. They'd sold the papers before, but right. so showed them that they freaked out. I gave them, I don't know, like a gallon sack of stuff that was still, you know, untrimmed on the stock. You know, I just has like all this weed that I'm just trying to get rid of. So I took off from there, went to the liquor store and bought, I think $200 worth of lottery tickets and some more booze and just hit the road. And so I made it out to Malibu. I thought I'll go by the beach somewhere and uh, somewhere Somewhere close to Pepperdine, I started getting into some angry texts, which texting and driving and being intoxicated. Especially not around there because it's dark as fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, it was daytime. So this is midday oh, okay. you know, or afternoon. I don't know what time it is. I, I've got no sense of time at this point. Right. Um, and so I just got to get to the beach. And so as I'm angry texting, I swerve real quick, overcorrect and sideswipe this car. And I pull out, you know, make a right turn and pull over. And we get into a big argument, which they've recorded. Um, and it's me 
trying to give him weed and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> like a half pound of weed in this bag. I got all kinds, it's just throwing stuff, you know, offering them everything and, and trying to act responsible too. Like, no, 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 I got it, my stuff under control. You know, I gave him my license because I thought that would be, so like, you know, take my license. And I'm thinking, I'm going to rehab. It doesn't matter what, you know, you take whatever you want. And I know I can't use my phone. So I ended up throwing my phone at him. They took that stuff and, and took off. So they were in a rental car. They, so my phone and my license end up in Dallas. Um, and so then I got back on the road trying to look for a spot. I picked uh, Paradise Cove, which is the worst spot to go on a sunny day on a weekend in Santa, in, in Malibu, Southern California. It's, it's, it's a tight parking lot, no parking, metered oh. park here, toll, you know, toll gate and all that. So I went down in there and there's even more more events down and more a couple more details down there but basically have a panic attack got to get out of there below the toll gate and um because i figured i was low enough you know and i always wanted to do that you know just walk through the toll gate and i got silly in the sand and wrapped that thing around the telephone pole and and ripped the right wheel off of those cars so i'm like oh great now the police are all there you know god so instead of going to rehab, a good thing I didn't have guns in the car. Uh, uh, you know, I was yeah. there. But I ended up, ended up in jail instead with a with a with a DUI that I'm still working through on now. So, um, so yeah, my 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 trip to Cliffside was uh, was took a little bit longer. It took me another twelve hours to get there. So spent the night in jail. Uh, incidentally, from where the house that I stayed in is like one it's like the next stop the next traffic light is is a or within a quarter mile is where the house i ended up staying from the place i crashed the car so it was and i don't know what happened to the two-foot joint never smoked it i have no idea i just lost all kinds of stuff you know i ended up finding more when i went back to deal with the car i had plenty of weed in there and had it end up throwing it in the back of some pickup truck and oh, and the people that I hit on the fir- on that first uh, accident, they were she was in addiction studies. So, so it was an interesting interaction as I as I took care of the car and made some you know took care of things with them. You know, she I think they wished me Merry Christmas or Happy New Year or something. It was it was an interesting kind of it was like this is kind of surreal. She checks in every once in a while. How are you doing? What's going oh on? Oh my God! So she's in the field. Yeah, she's in the field and she's studying, you know, she's that's I don't know how far along she is in her studies, but yeah, that was yeah, I'm trying to throw a weed and give her a bunch of beer and <laughs> oh yeah, my so. god, that's so you tried to give weed to everybody every time you got in trouble. Like you're yeah, just, just ended, take this bag. <laughs> exactly. And I ended up with none at the end. There was well, there was half pound in there, and then I just kind of threw that in in the back of a truck and Hey, there's unopens over here. And then I ended up on the way to Cliffside at an ounce of mushrooms. I think I found my bag. I'm like, all right, here you go. Here, just, just a, just a, a mess. <laughs> By that time I changed my graffiti pen shirt for a circus liquor, you know, tie-dyed circus liquor shirt. Oh, yeah. I'm rolling in in complete tie-dye, totally a mess. Just, you know, and the only thing I knew, cause I have no phone, no nothing in jail is just call Cliffside, call Cliffside. It's only, I don't know anybody's number anymore now that they're all stored in my phone. Right. Did Cliffside come get you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I didn't have to deal with bail. Yeah. I didn't have to deal with bail or anything. Cause 
they, you know, I didn't even think about that part. Exactly. Oh my God. So when you went through the first, when you went through like residential, you know, which is detox, was there any thought that you might not go to the sober living part or did you always know that you were going to stay and do the whole thing? You know, I I was set on doing 30 days and Mm -hmm. and that was it. I think it's kind of one of those universe blessing things where, you know, if I didn't have wheels, if I just having my kicks and no wheels, it it really clipped my wings. You know, if I had had options, I'm pretty creative. I put things together pretty fast. And so um, I would have been cutting a deal, making something happen or trying to come up with some other solution. So the fact that I didn't have a car, um, you know, and there was just, it was just a mess all around me. It really slowed me down. Tom, Tom, one of the techs at the house said it best. He says, when you came in, he says, it was like you watch an, a plane just explode in the sky and then just land right in front of you. <laughs> so it was questionable whether I'd be there a week or anything from their perspective. They're like, we don't know what's this guy's. We, never, we haven't seen somebody quite like this. Come in here. Right. Oh, that's so funny. So, yeah. So great though, right? Like detox residential was a good thing for you. It was the best thing I could have done. It was, it was everything. um, And I appreciated the approach that they had kind of the dual diagnosis. I really bonded quickly with my therapist. And um, that really, to me, was a key part of me, you know, being able to stay and make it through. It was like, and really that's why I stayed within um the sober living side of it i had i thought about going back up to the bay area and had some options up there to look at and and i really uh, i really need to stay with this you know it was really i stuck around because of the therapist that i was working with she was very she just had me pegged yeah i had a really good one too at cliffside i was like i hope they're not gonna make me switch or like i have to change that because i really clicked with mine too and my caseworker they were both really helpful. Like they both really understood me and all of my idiosyncrasies. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, I was just amazed at how fast she was able to kind of just pick up on my things and, and, and how she could directly challenge me in a way that was acceptable to me without, you know, throwing me off again, as you said earlier, I've always been kind of introspective and looking for answers and, it, you know, leading up to my, my rehab experience, I'd kind of found individual answers along my path. Um, but really at Cliffside and in rehab and treatment, I was able to thread them all together and kind of put together a string of, of truths. And it's like, oh, okay, here's how I can, you know, I've always been looking to live better and, and be a better person. Um, it's just, I was a little bit twisted in my logic in a lot of ways. You were a seeker. But I've just, always been a seeker. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just going yeah. about it in a different way. Yeah. I mean, you, a little too off the rails with the mushrooms and the LSD and right. the other stuff. You know, it's it's fun. And, and I could find an individual truth, but it was a lot more laborious than it was to just go through treatment and go and get real with myself on a lot of things. Oh, yeah. And I think people who aren't looking for anything when they go to treatment rarely make it because it's like they just don't want anything. You have to be seeking something on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really um, something from A Course of Miracles that, you know, my my position in space and time is not random. And looking at that, it's like, I don't think I've looked at my life and thought, oh, man, you know, I look at it, my time in rehab. It's like, oh, 
could you have avoided this? Could you have, is there something else? Cause it's, you know, initially there's some stigma and shame kind of attached to it. And it's like, Oh God, how did I end up here? Yeah. And so I'm not, you know, never thought, you know, never thought I'd be in, you know, hanging out and, and enjoying an AA meeting or, you know, any of that stuff, or certainly not in rehab. That was for other people. That wasn't for me. Um, but I really kind of look back on my life and I'm super thankful that I got there because I, th I think it's fast tracked a lot of my self-discovery and my own personal growth, you know, and I look back and it's kind of almost like an unavoidable truth and reality that I would ha had to go through. I mean, I, you know, could I have avoided things? Sure. I could have avoided things, but I, I didn't. And I'm, and I'm grateful for even all the folly and missteps along the way of like, Oh no, those are all parts of, you know, every story and adventure has ups, downs, sideways, twists and turns. And, I like my story. I'm thankful for my story. I don't want to, you know, I want it to end well. I don't want it to be, you know, end off the cliff at cliffside. Yeah, which, which <laughs> could have. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my mom's like, so did you uh, you know, have you hit the bottom? You hit bottom and you stopped digging. I'm like, I don't even have a shovel. I just <laughs> I don't yeah, have anything. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I give up. I quit. So I like the way they kind of left it at Cliffside. They kind of left it up to us to figure out what we wanted to do, like what kind of program we wanted to do, what kind of spiritual stuff we wanted to do. And it's like people who chose nothing. I don't think any of them are doing good right now. But, you know, the rest of us, because they did encourage it. They didn't force us to do anything, but they encouraged us to do a lot of things. Right. And right. like taking that, following that advice and taking that advice is probably what saved my ass. Cause I was the same way. I'm like, I will be here until I detox and then I'm out. I, yeah. I've always gotten treatment with that mentality. So of course I did again this time and ended up staying for like three months. So. Yeah, no. And it was great. I mean, that's, I, I feel, you know, in, in our, in our time together and hanging out, it was just, it was great to have that sense of community. And I, I've seen, you know, a lot of people from my first ride through the, the first 30 days that were just, you know, I stayed in the house with a lot of professionally minded people and people that had means and could move around. And a few, I think a few of them stayed clean, but a lot of them have had a rough go. And I think it's taking time and stretching it out. I think, I think two things, I think what you keyed in on first is having kind of an unstructured approach or, or a, a multidisciplinary approach of, you know, not necessarily 12 step based. We're not going to force you through a matrix or some rubric that's kind of rigid. It's just like, you figure it out. Um, and, and sharing a lot of those experiences through the group meetings through the week and all that. Um, I think that was really helpful. And the other part is the longevity of being able to stick and build friendships like we have, um, yeah. and just have time with other people because it, you know, you kind of see, you, you kind of see how other people are doing and, and you, you just get a lot more sturdy yourself. I don't think people realize after the first 30 days, how fragile when your worldview gets turned that fast, it takes time to reset. You got a little bit of uh, mental whiplash that you need to kind of prepare for. And, and really it is, I'm, I feel like that's what I told somebody the other day. I'm like, I feel like I'm learning how to do everything all over again, even though, you know, nothing's really changed. It's like, I've just got, I, I need to slow myself down. I've got other things I need to consider and think about. I'm, you know, just, I, but I feel slow and, and clumsy and awkward in my yeah. thinking. I like that mental whiplash. That's good. That's such a good definition of what it feels like. It is like that a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, you look like you're fine, but you can't really move that fast. Exactly. You look like you're fine until like somebody asks you what you want to order at a restaurant and then you fall all over the place because that's me too. I'm like, everything's yeah. fine. Oh my God, I can't think. <laughs> totally, totally. But you pick, you pick. I know, like, please don't make me decide something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I'm just so, trying to live my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I can't, I can't deal with decisions. I can do anything but that. Yeah. Um, so um, you you mentioned a course in miracles early as, earlier. Is that um, one of the spiritual things that you're working on right now? I am. I'm looking at that through the next year. Um, I'm on day 99, I think today of that, and it's a you know it's it's a pretty healthy text overall. So I read that. Um, it's funny every time I, I try to pay attention to all the little breadcrumbs along the way, and. Uh, you know, it was, it came up a couple times. Um, really my spiritual journey on where I'm at now started probably, f- I don't know, five years ago in, in, uh, with Eckhart Tolle, Tolle in the, um, in power. Now reading that was really instrumental. Um, and then the other one that I actually, my therapist, I just finished it for the third time through yesterday was, uh, untethered soul. That one's been, I read that too. Yeah. So I've been taking that one a chapter of the day. That's when you'd see me writing in there. I'd be kind of going through that and going, Oh man. But, um, of course, miracles has come up a couple of times. So I read the text, um, through when I was in my first 30 days, I think. And then I started just going through, you know, and doing the, the workbook for students. And I figured I would just kind of pick it away at that pace. And I thought, you know, I always want to rush through everything. So I thought, 365 do one of them a day it's like okay that's a year like i don't know but it's been been yeah exactly but it's been it's been a real um a real eye-opener for me and really just been good and i think it's it's designed that way on purpose it's it takes time to change worldview and change you know we live in a fast food you know nation and we live you know everything just quick 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 everything you know satisfy my desire right now the faster you can do it faster the better it is for me, and that's all anybody cares about. Exactly. Um, like emails, but, we get everything immediately. And if it takes five seconds long, we're like, oh, come on. Complaining about it. And we got a bad customer experience and we're going to tell somebody yeah. about it. And we're going exactly. to you know, try to ruin somebody's reputation over it. You know, right. help review because they didn't treat me right. It's like, but really true change takes time. And, you know, uh, you know, relating it back to the rehab thing, it just 30 days is just enough to get you your head above water. It's like, okay, you're here. Okay, cool. For the fog to clear a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it does take time. And that's what I've just been, you know, really trying to be easy with myself, do things like this that are, that are sustainable and not big. You know, it's not like I'm starting a new exercise regimen, you know, right away. Right. Uh, Trying to, you know, I'm going to go run a marathon. I'm going to go do whatever, you know, that's where my addictive brain goes. And I've done those things and I've been down those roads and it still wants to go down there because then it's, you know, it's something our ego can wrap ourselves around, but right. these simple things like, you know, just read one chapter of untethered soul a day, or, you know, focus on, you know, just focusing on the course of miracles, just do that one sentence, read for five minutes, really try to apply it and really slow down and look at something I think that's something that's kind of rare and we've lost the ability to really train our attention. Um, right. And I do know from experience, I was smarter when I used to be able to do that. 
Like before we use technology, before we had smartphones, I was much smarter than I am right now. Yeah. Well, I'm trying, you know, it's funny going into treatment, little things like being able to hold, um, you know, you got all this two factor authentication now and yeah. it's like six digits. You're going to text me six digits. My brain was moving so fast and so distracted that I couldn't, I'd have to go back three or four times yeah, to look at what, what, wait, oh man, I can't hold six digits in my head anymore. You know, I, I would have to do two at a time. It's like, it's going to take, it's like, now I can look at it and I can sometimes remember it the next day. You know, it's like, oh, if it's a series that's really catchy, you know, it's got some, some significance or something. It's like, oh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I've noticed that that is very, very helpful. And I, and I think, I don't know, smarter is the. So I'll take smarter. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I pull for myself too. I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to try to become smarter again. But yeah. thank you for sharing your insights with us on Radio Rehab, Matt. I'm so glad to call you a friend. Absolutely. I'm. I'm been such. It's been such a pleasure to get to know you, Dana. Really good music in there. I know. Are we on? Hey, we are here. We are live in Shake Shack, face uh, to face. When was face last time? to face when in was, Los Angeles? When was the last time we recorded face to face, dude? Pre-pandemic, right? No, so no, no. I pre, saw you right. Pre-LA relocation, exactly. Pre-me relocating to LA, <laughs> and this is um, my first time at Shake Shack. I've heard people talk about it, but I never really. Uh, I don't know. It was really good. I just want to say I'm impressed. If, if Shake Shack, if you're listening. Yeah, Shake Shack, if you want to be a sponsor of Radio Rehab, because, but, you know, addicts like to eat. But yeah, I'm, I was on my way down to Southern California, and I timed it just perfectly for me to arrive in Burbank, just as you were getting out of your... Uh, my brawl boxing class. Oh, so you were boxing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that what you do now? Well, I do it all. Yeah. I mean, I do. It's some of it's based on fighting like Krav Maga, but then, yeah, a lot of it's like boxing and hardcore, like uh, almost like uh, military training. Some of that. But, you know, diet it, style, well, not totally. In the past, all I remember is you going on to like an elliptical. <laughs> that, yeah, that's what I used to do. But now I've changed that because I, I, I need to do yoga. And you know that it's nothing I've ever wanted to do. I've always hated it, but I do it now. What kind of yoga do you I do? I do it twice a week and I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> I don't know. But the teacher's really good. It's not hot yoga. Oh, hell no. It's not swamp yoga. No. No, 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 no! It's but air conditioned yoga. Does it give you like? Does that give you like meditation time and all of that? Yeah, stuff? she does a little meditation, and you set your intention before the class, and then uh, afterwards, she has a whole like little thing where you lie in corpse pose, which of course is the only pose pose I'm good at. I am so amazingly bad in yoga because I have no balance that if people make eye contact with me when they're trying to do a pose, so they fall. will fall. They'll fall. Oh, they'll fall. I'm that disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll be in like warrior one or something that anybody could do. And out of nowhere, I'll just start like shaking and I'll fall over. It's balance. I have no balance. <sighs> I miss this stuff, though. I miss talking to you. Like, we don't get this as much when we're doing it. I know. Zoom. It's so different. I know. And this is like the whole thing with AA, too, is it's like, it's fucking different on Zoom. Everything's different. This is like a real life conversation and we can see each other. Yeah. But, um, wow, this is, I, and we, we just came off of us having a, 
hour and a half dinner and we've yeah. been talking the whole time. It was like, more talking than I couldn't eating. Even, I couldn't even finish my sandwich. <laughs> just, uh, Which made me eat slower. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to not eat the way I've always eaten. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, you, were, <laughs> you, you were like, as I sip my I half know, drink. She's shake. still drinking half. Her, she's got half a shake that she bought like an hour and a half ago. But uh, you... Yeah, I guess you must have seen me and you're just like, oh, here we are again. Yeah. The person that takes forever to eat. <laughs> but I need to slow down. So that's and that's another thing with the yoga is trying to be mindful and trying to be present and like slow down and be where I'm at. But uh, but yeah, so it timed out perfectly. I was like, oh, you just I had thought you were at a regular meeting. I didn't know that you were. Oh, yeah, no, I was like your gym appointment. Yes, my gym appointment. And uh, but I got here and just in time for me to go, hey, let's go to Shake Shack because you've never been there before. And there's one in Burbank. Let's meet up there. And it's great because I was going to try to get us into uh, Porto's, but then Porto's is delicious. I do believe uh, if I had to describe them, they're a Peruvian bakery, right? Isn't that what they are? Have Uh, you been there? Oh, I've Porto's. Have you never not seen? See me every time I drive out of LA. No, I didn't. You don't. I am obsessed with Porto. So is the bear. I, I Their black bean soup. <sighs> every time, every time I'm in a car and I'm leaving Southern California, I stop by Porto's and I come out with like four of yep. those yellow basket bags full of crap that I'm going to oh, take to NorCal. So yeah, like. The, like the, buns and muffins potato, and donuts potato and, bowl or rolls, oh yeah the cheese oh bowl, yeah the cheese balls the, uh, uh everything also portos if you want to sponsor radio rehab there you go, <laughs> i'm that glad too. to do an advertisement for you too happily now that we are <laughs> half located uh half uh based in the southern we cover both north cal and southern california that's right i know and we i i do feel like we're so la right now because we're sitting in a restaurant doing a podcast yeah no seriously <laughs> i you know what's funny is i not am i'm normally not that uh self-conscious about that right. but then you mentioned it and i'm like oh yeah we are recording in the middle of the Shake Shack at 9.30 at night. Well, it's but it's funny to me because that's one thing I've always loved about L.A. is nobody gives a fuck. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, no one's even looking at us. Nobody cares. They don't want to know what we're recording or why. They literally don't that's give a shit. That's true. Because if we Everybody were Everybody is so self-absorbed. Because if we were in the Bay Area, people would be up to us and be like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. What, what's, your, what's, what's going on over here? Right. They'd sit closer and <laughs> Who listen. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's introduce ourselves. Uh, so yeah, this is really cool that we're doing this, that we're actually getting to do this in person. Cause, um, and, and like my guests that used to be the guests would come into the studio and you would get to meet them in person. But now you're meeting these people that I've yeah. gotten to meet and you're just meeting them on zoom but and you I get like to talk, them so good. Yeah. I get to talk to them for like five seconds beforehand and give them a spiel. And then I kind of duck out. Yeah. I turn my camera off and they forget that I'm there. Right. Sometimes I forget that I'm there. No, right. Sometimes I have to test. <laughs> well, one time I was, uh, I think this one, actually, uh, I was we, I was recording remotely from my, my brother's place with my nephews. And so my nephew distracted me. Oh, that's right. And then I like was sitting there and I was, it looked like you guys were still talking, but my headphones were like half on and I was listening to a three-year-old tried to talk to me and then uh i get a text from you you're like we're done where are you yeah i'm like bro we're just literally sitting here throwing words at the wall but uh but yeah i matt matt was fun he was he was and like such a nice guy and i really respect his program and all the spiritual shit he does for himself you know like and it made me think about 
we should do more we should explore and do more of that of uh like the couple counseling aspect of things couples counseling yeah like yeah because he talked about like you know oh that's right yeah him going into like he had committed to going into couples counseling and that made me i was like ah you and i so I'm sure you can, and you know people that can do. We could do a whole series of episodes about about couples counseling, yeah. And, and then the we could de- have a five minute one about my marriage, which is the marriage that will never be in couples counseling because oh, well, you can't teach a bear anything. Oh, I forgot your poker face. I was wondering why you were looking at me like that. Because <laughs> well, yeah, like, when I said uh, when I said, "Oh, we could do something about couples counseling," you looked at me like I had like three heads. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I'm not telling you to go to couples oh, counseling. No, I know. <laughs> But no, doing a and or nor will I expect you to be knowledgeable. <laughs> about yeah, about counsel. normal relationships because I'm not in one. But uh, although, I mean, we didn't talk about well, we did talk about it a little bit in in, in episode the relation my relationship. You, yeah, you, I mean, it was very close to divorce, and you know, we could probably you know dig a yeah. little deeper there and i've gotten like texts and and emails and stuff there's like a lot of things i didn't bring up that i'm like oh yeah i guess i did not address that or i didn't mention this one thing or i forgot to say this or whatever well there, so things will be coming out oh for sure we well we always said that we said that you know we we only got to catch up we caught up for 10 months yeah in an hour and Live. 10 minutes yeah <laughs> so this you know like uh, of course new things are going to be discovered and new stories are going to come out of this and yeah things like crazy rehab stories and things i forgot was to tell actually, you I, I need to start writing this stuff down i actually had some ideas for some topics and i also had some thoughts that came up that i was going to ask you about but they all elude me now so i'm right because this happens I have some written down at home, so I, I actually will text them. I to actually, you, later. you actually did actually say, "Hey, reminded me of this," and I don't even remember what it is. <laughs> it always fucking happens. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're back, and I'm glad that we're doing these episodes. We can't say who's going to be on next because you know why? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know yet, but we're you know we're going to be. I'm going to my alumni meeting um, at Cliffside on Wednesday, and. Um, I, there is somebody I want to ask, but I want to ask her in person. Um, and I do have my, my good friend Zoe is going to be on the show. She just couldn't do it this week because she's in New Orleans and Mardi Gras. Ooh, so Mardi yeah. Gras. Yeah. She's doing a Mardi Gras. She's do- she lives in New Orleans. they Mardi- going out. Mardi Gras sober? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to people learn about who that. live there don't really party as much as the people who don't. But what do you do for Mardi Gras if you don't really... I guess that's you just literally just go out and have fun, and she they dress crazy, they take the kids, and her kids are pretty grown though. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I just I equate uh, New Orleans, which I we've always said we need to go together because yeah. I'll experience it with you, which is because my experience is you know, uh, I think I told you that of like I my the last time I was there, my mission, yeah. I made the mission of. Drinking all the yeah. sweet drinks. Yeah. <laughs> it makes my head hurt give, hearing give, that. Yeah. Give myself diabetes. <laughs> yeah. A couple hurricanes and some type two diabetes. Um, before we go, which I did this last time also, um, thank you everybody for all the emails. Yeah, seriously. They're, they're coming in. And it's radio rehab at go2productions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. And um, so just real quick shout outs to the people that are sending us love. A couple from people that are old friends of the show that we've known for many years. Yeah. Um, 
Kathy will call her. She calls her. We knew her as Kathy uh, of Boston. Oh, Kathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kathy. But she is now. I know uh, her last name, but I won't say it. <laughs> yes. Uh, she is now Kathy of Connecticut. Of uh, Now Kathy on the Connecticut shoreline. Oh, that sounds uh, pretty. She just wanted to say, um, I caught the February 15th radio rehab broadcast um, after you posted about it. And I just wanted to let you know. Uh, you're resilient as hell. Oh, um, and uh, she did it in all caps, and she's like, "Yes, I'm yelling." <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. And uh, she said, uh, "Anyone can fall down, but it takes a badass bitch to stand up, no matter what." And that's you in a nutshell. Oh, that so, means so much to me. So, thank you, Kathy. Um, we got um, a new one. Uh, uh, we've got one from a listener. Um, his name is uh, Christopher P. And um, he said, side note, uh, he said five years, five months. Uh, side note, the number 55 is regarded as a symbol of change, new beginnings and opportunities. A very fortunate number. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. That's awesome. I, my dad was really into numerology, but I don't I literally I don't know anything about it, but that's cool. He said, uh, thank you for picking up the thread of your narrative from where you left off after death and ex extract and sharing the reality of your experience, strength and hope. Thank you for your service. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for listening. And um, and for not giving up on me. <laughs> and then uh, from our dear friend um, on uh, radio sister, Heather. Yes. Uh, hers, we know Heather personally. Well, yeah, uh, you know we work radio with her. sister. We we worked with her for many years, so she's a crazy nut job, and she knows she's it the best. And uh, she is the best, and she <laughs> gave us like a like I, I had I when we first got it, I was like, hey, you have to read this because my brain was exploding after reading <laughs> it. And just the fact that it says Q Chumbawamba is why I love her. Oh my God, look at what just came up on my phone right now for no reason. I would just like to say, because this is live, and okay, a picture just came up on my phone from the death of K-Fog uh, that night where we ended everything, and it's a picture of me, Heather, and No Name uh, taken in San Francisco. That is weird. It knows, it knows. Whoa. Well, Heather just said, uh, I love, respect, and adore you, and have also learned so much from you. Thank you, Heather. Like the ever tenuous, the ever tenuousness of recovery life. Yes, it's a constant struggle. And, and yeah, a lot of people don't get that, which is another thing that like sometimes makes it hard to come back. Is it's like, yeah, it's a constant battle that yeah. we have to do. We recovering people. It's not something you ever get to take a break from. And when you do, you end up doing what I did and uh, coasting, which means you're going downhill and but, then you crash. But uh, thank you, Heather. And yeah, thanks, everybody. I mean, like it's the outpouring of love that we've gotten for uh, for the show coming back. It's almost I mean, it's why we do this. And, uh, you know, for as a podcaster who's, you know, produced so many different types of shows and different shows, um, when a show falls off like that. And you're gone for, you know, you take a 10 month hiatus. It takes a very long time. I mean, like you never get, sometimes you do that. You can never come back from it. Right. You know, you might, yeah. you know, we had a great following. We have almost 400 episodes, but, um, and I thought that it was going to take us, you know, very many months before we could, you know, get our listeners back. And everybody just came back and, you know, we, 
uh, we still have a long way to go. We still got a lot of dust to yeah to uh, a lot of rust to shake off, a lot of dust to clean up. Yeah, <laughs> things that we want to roll out that we're working on. But but everybody came back. Everybody's and here, and everything. Our, our numbers are looking good. And if this is how our numbers are going to start. Imagine yeah. where we're going to be six months from now. I know. We can finally do traveling radio rehab and go visit visit everybody in different states and go I to meetings I could afford to come here more than, you know, every three months. Yeah. And we could do things in our person. Absolutely. No, but those emails like that, it's like, it's especially like for this addict and alcoholic is, is exactly what I wanted to hear. And because, you know, the shame and guilt and stuff that's associated with relapse and coming back is huge. And, you know, whenever I think about this is so funny, this really did happen. I tried to take Pilates class. It was okay. I just want I'm trying to be more flexible, <laughs> whatever. So I'm taking Pilates class and the teacher's trying to help people be more flexible. And she's telling this girl that's like a couple feet away from me, like, okay, sit up straight, put your legs straight the girl straight farts like loud really loud in the class and there was hardly any of us in there and there was no music playing and i swear to god i had this thought i went you know what that is worth than coming back after a relapse i would rather <laughs> be where i'm at than be that guy who just farted in a pilates class how many people were in it <laughs> like like five like so little that you knew exactly where it came from okay it's like it's not as there bad was as no like, confusion like no. having diarrhea in a a public bathroom because nobody oh knows no it's who not it's no it's way it's way worse than that nobody knows who you are. exactly <laughs> unless they look over the you know stall but nobody does that well thank you guys for listening please keep the uh the emails and stuff coming coming in i love it and if you can if you know of a guest we've got some suggestions we've got a big long wish list we're working yeah. on it um you know like we said we've got people in mind and people we're working on and no matter what we'll be back here um same time same place next week with okay. another show uh whether it's just the two of us being silly or with a guest which is i'm sh i'm quite positive it's gonna be with another guest we'll have a guest but um but yeah just let us let us know what you're thinking we love it it's yeah it's, it's really every time we're i'm so i'm so excited and happy and surprised to see our inbox me too up the way it is yeah and give us like those five star ratings and things like make me want to cry they make me so happy so for those of you who are doing that thank you from the bottom of my heart and we will talk to you next week If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. -A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.